0: Victory. How are we all doing today? Gosh, I I honestly can say this. I love this church. Gosh. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Mitch, Pastor Susan, for having me here today and yesterday with the men. You guys have spoiled me, you know. Where's Ann Houston? Stand up if she's in here. I I don't know. She's probably at the back. She's around here somewhere, right? And thank you. I just shout out to several members of the team. You know, Pastor Mira, um, her son Isaiah and Elijah, David Nixon, he's around here somewhere too. Gosh, um, and thank you so much for the hospitality you guys have shown me, for spoiling me, making me feel welcomed. You know, but more importantly, Pastor Mitch, Pastor Susan, thank you for just protecting the presence of God in this place. You know, Ultimately, I love God and I love coming into his presence. And that's the distinguishing mark about this church I've found. I travel often. You know, I've been to a lot of churches, and I've seen a lot of things, but very rarely do I come here, I mean, and get emotional. I got emotional at a men's conference, guys. Come on, you know. (laughs) But I I love it. I'm not ashamed. I'll shed tears. You know, I watch romantic movies with my wife as well, so. (laughs) On that note, I want to introduce you to my family real quick, if we could just put up uh, the photo of my family. That's my wife, Ashley, and my son, Leonardo. He actually just turned four recently. Um, there he is right there, oh, I miss him, I can't look at that too long because it will break my heart <laughs> and then there's my wife, she's so beautiful, she's actually 12 weeks pregnant next week so we're expecting our second, thank you, thank you guys. So look I'm, I'm going to get straight into the word this morning, it's, it's, it's brewing inside of me, um, I love people and one of my passions is to ignite purpose, passion and power I want to see people activated in their callings and in their giftings. So today, I want to share a message called Release Your Potential. Release Your Potential. How many people in here have ever heard someone say to them, you're full of potential? Give me a show of hands if you've ever heard someone say to you, you're full of potential. I'm looking at the majority of people with hands raised. You know, it's one of the most encouraging things to hear. But it's also one of the most discouraging things to hear. (laughs) On the one hand, it's a statement packed with promise of what could be. It's, it's a vision of the future. But on the other hand, it's indication that you're not where you should be. There's room for growth. There's room for improvement. Because it's not enough to just be full of potential. Unless that potential is actualized. Unless that potential is released and realized in your life. Amen? So I'm looking at a crowd of people that are packed with potential. And each one of us, no matter how young or how old you are, there's so much to be released through you. So each of us need to make a decision. Are we going to rob the world of our potential? You know, the richest places on earth aren't the oil fields in the Middle East. The richest places on earth are the graveyards, the cemeteries. There you'll find buried dreams. Dreams that went unfulfilled, gifts that were buried, potential that was wasted. Are you going to rob the world of your potential? Or are you going to make your unique contribution and leave your mark on people? Okay, that's a decision we need to make. You know, your talent is God's gift to you. I've heard this said before your talent is God's gift to you, but what you do with it is your gift back to God. So this morning I want to talk about releasing your potential by developing your gift okay proverbs chapter 13 uh, excuse me proverbs chapter 18 verse 16 says this this is one of my life scriptures a man's gift or a woman's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men a man's gift makes room for him each one of us are called and gifted by god now with our calling God has equipped us with specific gifts to function in our calling. For instance, if you're called as an athlete, to be an athlete, you'll be gifted with athletic ability, okay? If you're called to be in the realm of finance, you'll have a special way with numbers. If you're called to be a worship leader like Joshua, where's Joshua? May I love this guy's worship. He's anointed. If you're called to be, yeah, let's, let's give it up for Joshua here. If you're called to be a worship leader, you'll have gifts to sing and to lead and to to usher in the presence of God, okay? Our gifts complement our calling. Now, something else unique about our gifts is they're designed to make room for us. To make room means to create space, okay? There's room for us in this world, and there's plenty of room for it. Now, to create space means that it's not for fame, it's not for game, although sometimes these things accompany your gift, The purpose of your gift, making room for you and creating space, is always for influence. Okay? We're called to be an influence. Now, I believe the degree to which your gift is developed is the degree, it's not the only thing, but it's it's a big thing, is the degree to which room can be made for you. Okay? Look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29. If you are uniquely gifted in your work, you will rise and be promoted again it 's for service, if you are uniquely gifted in your work, you will rise and be promoted you won 't be held back you'll stand before kings. I love that. See your gift will always make room for you let 's consider King David uh, first, chapter, um, first Samuel chapter sixteen. We see the account of King Saul. Spirit of Lord, the spirit of the Lord departs from him and an evil spirit comes upon him and begins to torment him. And desperate for relief, Saul asked one of his young servants to, to seek out a young musician. He goes, bring me a musician. I need someone who's skilled because I need some relief here. Got, um, he's, he was feeling depressed and he wanted relief. So the young musician's like, no worries, King Saul, I know someone. And look what he says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 18, he says, I know someone. I've seen him myself, the son of Jesse, an excellent musician. I love that. He's also courageous of age, well-spoken, and good-looking. Reminds me of Pastor Mitch. <laughs> and God is with him. I love that. An excellent musician. So I can just see this playing gal. King Saul goes to his young servant, and he's like, Do you know anyone who's a skilled musician? And his young servant looks at him with a twinkle in his eye. He's like, oh, don't worry, I know someone. And immediately he thinks of King David. The long hair, the bearded heartthrob, the deep bees, the skinny jeans. You know, the recent, the recent winner of Israel's Got Talent singing, God gave rock and roll to you. Clearly I'm not gifted to sing, but, you know, that won't stop me from trying. But, <laughs> but in all seriousness, this young um, servant knew of David because he wasn't just a gifted musician, he was a skilled musician. So what does that mean? David had developed his musical gifts and therefore his gift made room for him. His gift allowed him to be promoted. His gift caused him to advance in his specific calling for service to the king. And that's why it's so important for us to develop our giftings. Could this be one of the reasons that many of us and not stepping into the fullness of what we are called to do because our gifts are underdeveloped. Look what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 14 to 15 in the amplified. This is I just can't stress enough the importance of taking responsibility for what God has placed within us. Paul writes to Timothy and says this, "Do not neglect the gift which is in you. Practice and cultivate and meditate upon these duties. Throw yourself wholly into them as your ministry, so that your progress may become evident to everybody. I love that. Paul warned Timothy, do not neglect the gift which is in you. Now, the word neglect means to pay insufficient or no attention to. To pay insufficient or no attention to. To fail to take proper care of. When we neglect our gift, it remains dormant, therefore we remain ineffective. We're not functioning in what we're called to do. Have you ever wondered why so many, there's people out there that are just so good at what they do? No matter where you look, whether that's sports, whether that's the arts, business, ministry, there's always those unique individuals who amaze us with what they do and how well they do it. And when we look at these people, when we consider them, it's so easy to say that they were born with a little something extra. Well, they're just special or they're just gifted, okay? But we, what we fail to see is what they did in the dark that makes them stand out in the light, okay? In private, they were developing their gift. They were practicing. They were working hard. And therefore, their gifts made room for us, for them. And as we develop our gifts... Our gift will make room for us because God can say they're, they're stewarding their gift. Therefore, they can impact people on a greater capacity, on a greater level. You know, there's two reasons people neglect their gift. The first reason is simply people just don't know what their they, gifting is, you know. And, and that's a whole nother message. The second is they want someone else's gift. That was me in, the, that was me in middle school, <laughs> I had dreams of making the NBA. I mean, I'm a short little kid from Australia, dreaming about, you know, playing in the NBA, playing professional basketball. I got to visit the University of North Carolina yesterday with Isaiah and, you know, brought back childhood memories of wanting to play in college ball, wanting to play in the NBA. And I was like, gosh, what was I thinking, you know? (laughs) No athletic ability, (laughs) short, (laughs) Aussie. (laughs) But, um, you know, we laugh at that. But how ridiculous is it? when we desire someone else's gift. You know, sometimes people covet the platform. They want to be preachers or they want to be doing things because of the attention it garners, it attracts. But what has God placed within you? Are you you in that? Are you in your lane? Are you finding your zone? Do you know what you were gifted to do? You know, that's why it's so important to develop the gift you have, not the gift you want. Develop the gift you have, not the gift you want. I love what John Maxwell says in his book, Talent is Never Enough, if we can get that on the screen. It says, it's been my observation that people can increase their ability, he's talking about gifting here, by two points on a scale of one to ten. For example, if your natural talent is a little, is a four, with hard work, you may rise to a six. In other words, you go from being a little below average to a little above average but let's just say you find a place where you're a seven, okay? You have the potential to become a nine, maybe even a ten, if, you're, if it's your greatest area of strength and you work exceptionally hard. I love this statement. This is not a limiting statement. It's a liberating statement. Now, here John is not sharing that we cannot develop skills, and other abilities, there's many skills I've developed over the years that aren't actually my, my strength areas or my giftings, if you will. But they're necessary skills I need for life and to do my job well. But what he's saying here is don't develop other gifts to the neglect of your strengths. He goes, the, the areas where you need to be giving the most attention is to your areas of strength. Because the world needs what's within you. And we, if you're a seven... You can reach to a 9, maybe even a 10. Why would you want that rather than being something that you're below average and just going above average? Why wouldn't you reach for something where you can become great in? And that way you can leave a better influence on this planet. Are you guys getting something out of this this morning? This is my passion. This is, this is something I've had to work on this year, you know. And I love if we can put back First Timothy chapter 4 again. He doesn't just tell Timothy not to neglect his gift He shows him how to stir it up. He shows him how to develop his gift. And verse 15 says this, practice and cultivate and meditate upon these duties. Throw yourself wholly into them as your ministry so that your progress may become evident to everybody. So I want to unpack each each of these things this morning. And I want to begin with starting with practice. One of the first ways we develop our gift is through practice. Private practice determines public performance private practice develops uh, determines public performance that's because we'll always perform to the level in which we practice you know have you ever you know it's so easy to become amazed and marvel at a 10 second performance like the 100 meter sprint in the olympics And lose sight of the hours of practice and the years of practice and training and hard work that went into performing at such a high level. That You know, today we just received that entertainment. Yesterday there was the big LSU Alabama game. Probably went two hours, three hours, you know. But we lose sight of all the years of training leading up to those moments. Of people be able to perform at such a high level. And so again, it's so easy to just say, Man, these guys are amazing. Man, these guys are so gifted. But yet we fail to see what they do in private that makes them perform at that level. We need to be practicing. To practice means to be professionally engaged in, to perform or work at repeatedly so as to become proficient. I'll repeat that. To be professionally engaged. in. in other words, you're taking it seriously. It's as if your life depended on it. It's your profession. It's your your form of provision even. To be engaged professionally. To perform that repeatedly so as to become profession. You know, practice enables us to perfect our craft. It enables us to sharpen our gifts. To develop our gifts. But has anyone here ever has there, has anyone here ever heard the saying practice makes perfect it's true but I want to challenge that this morning you know the experts say that it takes approximately ten thousand hours of practice in a specific area to become an expert or a master in that specific area okay Malcolm Gladwell refers to this in his book the outliers but um, he actually drew his research from uh, Professor Anders Ericsson from Florida State University. This guy's an expert in human expertise. And in his book, Peak, The New Science of Human Expertise, he challenges that it's not enough to just practice for 10,000 hours unless that practice is intentional and deliberate practice. Okay, what do I mean by that? What, I'll give you an example of deliberate practice. When we all start off driving... We're very intentional to make sure we're driving correctly, we're being safe, we're going at the speed limits, we're using our indicators, we're stopping at a red light. <laughs> Hopefully, we still do. But, um, you know, <laughs> we're making sure we're, 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 be, we're being very intentional and deliberate to do everything right, especially when we're doing our driving exam, okay? But then 10 years goes by, 15 years goes by, and you get a little sloppy. You forget to indicate that you're turning, you cut into other people's lanes. You you run a red. (laughs) You know, it's so easy to think just because I've been driving for years, I'm actually getting better. But unless you're being intentional about improving, it's only a matter of time before you begin to regress. Okay, does that make sense? You know, that's why we need to be deliberately practicing and honing our skills, developing our skills. If you're on the job, be intentional. Don't just go in there and go through the motions. Go in there and be intentional. I'm going to do my best today. I'm going to work hard because today's another day to get better. Today's another day to bridge the, the, the difference between where I am and my potential, okay? I'd never want to die empty. You know, this, one of the biggest areas of growth this year, um, Pastor Mitch shared that I'm a content developer at Messenger International. I write for John and Lisa Bevere. And one of my biggest areas of growth has been as a writer, okay, And, you know, shortly I'll be stepping into the manager role of content manager. But I was very intentional this year to grow as a writer, to develop my skills. And this goes back to the... I moved here in 2014. I live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And um, I was... I remember when I moved here, I didn't... I always felt a sense of a calling to write, but it never really awakened in, in me until I moved here. And I remember back in 2015... I, was, um, I wasn't legally allowed to work then, so I had a lot of time on my hands, and um, I was getting a little frustrated, and um, I remember the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, and he says, I want you to start writing a blog, and then I also knew that the blog was for no one else except me. So I started writing a blog once a week because I knew that I can look back now, but God wanted me to write a blog to awaken the gift of writing within me. He wanted me to just start pulling and drawing from it. And I was faithful to do that. I started writing every week and this went on for a year and then God put it on my heart to write a book and I wrote a manuscript and um, nothing came of it, you know, but a lot came of it within me. A lot was being developed and pulled out and, 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 and strengthened within me. And then he got me to write another book and I wrote an e-book. And this time I actually got to publish it. It's, a, it's an e-book online. It's called The Spark to Start. And, you know, that was the actual resource and... The place where Messenger and John and Lisa and Addison recognized the gift on my life. And they were like, you know what? We need to put you in a position where you can start writing here. My gift started making room for me at Messenger International. Because why? In, In private, when no one knew, when no one was looking, I was developing it. I was developing my gift to write, even though it was frustrating, even though I thought I wasn't any good. And I look back now, I can laugh at what I wrote, you know, because in comparison to the level I write at now. But um, it was then that I got to step into things. And things, be, projects were given to me slowly. And as I proved faithful and as I proved diligent, more was handed to me. And now I'm almost in a role where I could become content manager. But I, I, I share that because... As you develop your gift again, it will make room for you. Okay, I'm at a place now, John wants me to write a book. I I love that, you know, I'm humbled by that. But again, I'm going to keep working hard and who knows what can open up. But I want to make sure I'm reaching my potential and I want that for you guys. And you know, one of the biggest dangers we can face when it comes to developing our gifts is reaching a place of good enough. Good is always the enemy of great. You know, when we get to a place where we feel like we've arrived, I'm good enough, it's only a matter of time before you begin to regress. You know, you see that with professional athletes today. They, they work so hard, they train so hard, they've got the eye of the tiger, if you will. You know, they're passionate, they land the big contract, and then all of a sudden it's like, what happened to these guys, man? They started to relax, they, they arrived, they reached a the point of good enough. But then I respect guys like LeBron James, and sorry if that's offensive to you guys, but I love LeBron. He's in his 17th season in the NBA, and he's all—he's in the forerunner at the start of the season to become MVP. Why? Because each year he's reinventing his game. Each year he's improving. He's adding a new facet to his skills. He's adding a new facet to his game, okay? He's not content to be good enough. There's people who were in the same draft class as LeBron, and they're retired today. Okay, But LeBron has been very intentional to keep growing his gift, to keep improving. And he's, already, and he's still performing at peak level. Amen? So the first thing we need to do is practice to develop our gift. The next thing I want to look at is cultivate. Cultivate. Practice is more practical. When it comes to cultivating, this is more educational. To cultivate means this to develop or improve by education or training to promote the growth and development of i'll read that one more time to develop or improve by education or training to promote the growth and development of when you think cultivating think coaching okay anyone who has had any success in life has had a mentor or a coach along the way, speaking into them, calling out their potential, bringing it out of them, inputting into them, okay? Coaches provide constructive criticism that's invaluable. No one here is a man-made man, self-made man, sorry, okay? There was always people influencing influencing them, speaking into their life, developing them. But if we are going to receive coaching, we need to be teachable. Now, being open to correction means making yourself vulnerable and many people are not willing to do that you know this year I shared I've grown as a writer but I've had to make myself teachable and vulnerable you know so many of my projects I've had to submit to my superiors my supervisors and you know at first I was receiving some hard criticism some hard corrections if you will Okay, and I remember so many times i be before I submit, before I send, uh, press send on email. I'm like sweating. I'm like, God, I pray that they will approve of this. They will love it, you know, give me favor. But, and, and and they always loved what I did. But they never, they will never withhold areas where they can see improvement. Why? Because they love me. Why? Because they see the potential in me and they want me to reach my potential. We all need coaches in life, you know. My wife's favorite show is The Voice. My wife's a very gifted worship leader as well, and she's got a beautiful voice. You know, I wish she would sing to me before bed sometimes. And <laughs> but she sings to our son. But, um, you know, she, one of our favorite shows is The Voice. And one of the reasons she loves it and I love it now is because of the coaching that occurs on that show. And for her, it's free coaching, you know, as a a vocalist, that's invaluable information. So I encourage you guys to watch that show if that's your area of gifting especially. But, you know, contestants start off in the blind auditions and if they get through that round, they get to partner with a coach. And it's amazing the journey these contestants go through from Um, The start to the finish and the growth that occurs in just several months. Why? And it's in large part because of the coaching they receive, the correction they receive, the encouragement they receive. We all need that. And another way to cultivate as well is to receive coaching is finding your tribe. Get around those who share your passions. Get around those who are like-minded because it's around those people that gifts will unlock within you, that, you know, they'll help you see things you never saw before. I love getting around people who are passionate about writing because we sharpen each other. We encourage each other. You know, one of my favourite stories is of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. You know, there's they used to be part of a private writing group called The Inklings. They used to meet regularly at a, a at a pub in Oxford, England. And it said that as they were collaborating and sharing ideas and editing each other's work, that's where the Lord of the Rings came from. That's where the Chronicles of Narnia came from, from. And it's because they got around those who share their passions. They got around their tribe. So find your tribe, cultivate, have someone who can speak into your life, have someone who's a little further along than you are, who can call out the potential in you. Amen? The next thing I want to look at is meditate. So you develop your gift through practice. You develop your gift through cultivation. You develop your gift, or can I say coaching? And the next thing I want to look at is meditation. To meditate means to reflect or to contemplate. To reflect or to contemplate. I love this. Certain growth can only occur when we stop and reflect on the lessons we are learning. Certain growth can only occur when we stop and reflect. You know, this when we stop and reflect on, okay, you know, periodically throughout this year, I've had to just pause and say, all right, where am I at with my writing? What, what is the feedback I'm getting? Okay, this allows the lessons I'm learning to actually catch up to me. Okay, this allows me to assimilate what I'm learning. All right, these are my areas of growth. I'm, you know, I'm proud of the, the growth I've seen in my life. But you know what? I've still got more growth to do and these are the areas of growth I need to be doing. I need to be focusing more on this, okay. I need to tweak a little few little things, make some changes in my schedule and, and so forth. You need to evaluate your performances. Many, you know, so many athletes after a game, they're watching the film. They're looking at what went wrong. They're looking at what went right. They're looking at, you know, things they could do better because they understand the law of reflection. John Maxwell shares this in his book, The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. He says experience is not the best teacher. Evaluated experience is Experience is not the best teacher, evaluated experience is. So always evaluate your performance. You know, even in, on the job, you get performance evaluations, performance reviews. Why? Because they want to sh- highlight the areas of growth, the, the areas of strength, but also the areas of improvement. Not to call you out, but because they want you to be performing at a high level. So some of the questions you could be asking yourself is, what am I learning right now? What is God teaching me? What do I need to change in my life? What have been my biggest areas of growth thus far? What are my biggest areas that I need improvement in? What are the, you know, what are the area of my gifts that I need to, the needs I need to be giving attention to? These are questions we need to be asking ourselves. Don't just coast through life. Don't just ride momentum. Don't just wing it, if you will. Be very intentional about your life, guys. Again, success doesn't just happen accidentally. It happens intentionally. And God wants that for us. You know, one of the biggest things I find in the church today is a lot of people are waiting on God to do everything for them. And yes, there's exceptions. God moves. God God can do anything. But for the most part, God is waiting on us. God is waiting when, you know, like you think of the parable of the talents. He's like, he didn't, he told them to go and multiply. He didn't say, I'll multiply it for you. Yes, he'll give us the grace. Yes, he's given us his grace. He's giving us these gifts, but he's also given us responsibility to multiply what's been invested into us, okay? Let's not be like that lazy servant who buried his talents because he was afraid. You know, maybe he got some ridicule. Maybe he got laughed at. Maybe someone told him that you'll never amount to anything. Maybe he had some disappointment, so he thought, forget this, this is too hard. Don't give up on what God has called and gifted you to do, and I'll close with this. The last thing and one of the most important things that all of these other things I've shared right on, full commitment. Practice, coaching, meditation or reflection. And the last thing is full commitment. Paul says, give yourselves wholly to to these things as your ministry. Why? So your progress may become evident to everybody. It's the law of sowing and reaping. You get out of life what you put into it. Galatians chapter 6 verse 4 says this, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself, don't compare yourself to others, this is your own race you're racing. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Don't wait to be picked. Don't wait for permission. The Great Commission gives us permission. Go out, step out. I mean, yes, you, you know, you work within your structure. There's, you know, there's rank, there's authority, there's structures to things. If you're in the church, you, you work with your leadership. But that's not going to stop you from doing things in private, developing your gifts, learning, growing, developing yourself, maturing, Progressing. We owe it to God and we owe it to the world to be the best version of ourselves we can be. We owe it to God and we owe it to the world to deposit what God's put within us. And I'll close with this quote by Miriam Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. I'll just pause right there. If you close your eyes and sometimes if you think of who you could be, if you see yourself... Visualize yourself, if you will, doing what you know you're called to do, performing at a high level. Sometimes that scares us. You know, and there's a little bit of comfort when you can see something in the distance. But when it's staring you right in the face and it's time to step up and to step in, it can be scary. And that's why God told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Step in. The time has come for you to lead. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that's within us. It's not just in some of us, and I love that. It's not just in some of us. It's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So if I can everyone standing right now, I'm just going to pray, then I'll hand it back to Pastor Mitch. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to pray a prayer of activation. You know, even if you are functioning your gift right now, there's always more. There's room for growth. There's room for development. So if you just want to open your arms in a posture of receiving right now, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Josh. You want to pray. Father, I just, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the gifts, the abilities, the talents you've placed within each of us. In the name of Jesus, I activate those gifts within us. I command those gifts to become activated. Lord, I pray that they will reach maturity, they will become developed. And Father God, I pray that they will bring great blessing in this earth and to the lives of others. I take authority over the spirit of fear and timidity. I command fear and timidity to loose God's people and to let them go. I declare boldness over God's people. I declare strength and courage in the name of Jesus. I, I speak to you. I speak to the core of who you are. And I command you to rise and to step forward in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Awesome. Thank you so much for allowing me to pour into you guys this morning. It's been a pleasure.